The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you ever stopped to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, and I'm so grateful you're joining us today. Last week, we had a fascinating program with Dr. Deborah Mandel on how our workplace relationships can be influenced in a positive or a negative way by our childhood relationships, parents, siblings, friends, teachers, all can remind people in our current work life can remind us of those people with a positive or a negative influence. So it's good to be aware of that possibility and to check ourselves so that we don't have knee-jerk reactions. If you missed it, be sure to check out the podcast. And as always, any questions about this show or previous shows are welcome. Call in during the show to 1-866-472-5795 and email now or between shows to Dr. Paula Joyce, that's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. And if you're listening to a podcast or think of a question after the show, the phone number to call is one 214 736-4460. My regular listeners know that I like to use the first segment of the show to answer questions that I've received and also to expand on past topics or the topic of the day. In my very first show, I told you that my mission is to help others heal mentally, emotionally, and physically, and that this radio show will help me actualize that mission. What I didn't realize is that I would also be healing myself at profound levels. As a result of my conversation with Bernie Siegel when he was on the second show, I had an instance of such deep compassion for my father that I can only describe the experience as grace, or in Hebrew, kavodo. All of the years of working on forgiveness and healing came together in a flash. 
I was thinking about how much my father had sacrificed to do what he thought was right to ensure a good life for his family and how his belief that he had to be a good provider made him a vehicle, an object, rather than a unique, breathing, living human being. He gave up his dreams to satisfy what he thought was required of him, to be a good father. The problem is that in doing so, he inadvertently created a lot of resentment, which led to anger, fits of rage, and verbal abuse, which affected my sister and I for all of her adult life and most of mine. Bernie Siegel talked about a study at Harvard about if you felt loved in childhood, that that essentially was an inoculation, a vaccination against illness in midlife. Leo Biscaglia talked about growing up in a large Italian family with barely enough food to go around, but enormous amounts of love. And so the love is the real gift that we can pass on to our children for their physical and mental and emotional health. That's the foundation for a good life. Money is great, and yes, Beatrice Kaufman said, I've been rich and I've been poor, rich is better. What she didn't say is that all the money in the world is meaningless if you're miserable. Carolyn Mace asks, how much are you willing to sell your soul for? What are we willing to give up to be financially wealthy? If we lose ourselves, we have nothing. Depression is rampant in across the globe. A quarter of the children in the United States are depressed. 10% of U.S. adults are depressed. And 15% of adults in developed countries are depressed. And the numbers are increasing. This is, was a shock to me. The fastest in preschoolers. Public television was recently promoting an author who detailed the six major causes of depression in his new book. I was not impressed. He didn't seem to think that abuse was worth mentioning. That abuse leads to hopelessness and depression and sometimes suicide is clear to everyone who works in this field. For it not to even warrant an acknowledgement as shocking and an indication of the degree to which abuse is invisible, despite the statistic that a third of the population has experienced abuse. Which leads me to a question from one of our listeners. Sandra from Boston, Massachusetts wrote, You talked about a client who was able to stop taking antidepressants as a result of your coaching. The psychiatrist that my internist referred me to wouldn't do therapy with me. He just wrote a prescription for an antidepressant telling me that depression is a biochemical condition and therapy won't help. I don't want to keep taking these pills but I don't know what else to do. 
what do you recommend? First of all, I have yet to see any evidence that convinces me that people are born with biochemical imbalances that cause depression. Maybe an occasional person, but certainly not 15% worldwide and with numbers growing. When you measure someone's biochemical levels after they complain of depression, the results are confusing. All you're proving is that the imbalance exists. You haven't proven that the imbalance caused the depression. The depression may have caused the imbalance. All too often, prescriptions are being written as a substitute for helping people heal. I have numerous clients who have sought me out when a psychiatrist refused to do more than write a prescription. There are many things that I recommend to my clients to help them heal from depression. As the Reverend Dr. Lauren Artris pointed out, we now know that the path to healing is feeling. Antidepressants actually keep you from feeling, which can slow your progress. Sometimes they're necessary with debilitating depression or suicidal thoughts, but eventually they become a hindrance to healing. The most important method is to allow the painful feelings and experiences to surface. Really feel the sadness, even profound grief, anger, jealousy, whatever you think you couldn't handle and buried. That's what you need to allow to surface. Even good people feel anger, jealousy, and all the emotions that we're told we're not supposed to feel. We are human beings, and we have these thoughts and feelings. Instead of judging ourselves so harshly, we must allow ourselves to feel the pain. Then it automatically releases. We don't have to work at it. I've talked about this in the last two shows and the success I've had with my ultimate creative problem-solving process. Another tool that we've talked about in our third show is the labyrinth. It allows us to release past pain and hurtful feelings, hear our true voice, and walk out stronger. Since 90% of our self-talk is negative, Well, we're all constantly abusing ourselves with fear, worry, and criticism. And the labyrinth, that cruel and unrelenting voice disappears. What we hear is the voice of love, the voice that tells us the truth, the voice of our inner wisdom, the voice of God, the voice of healing and love. It's sometimes hard to hear the loving voice when we're tormented with so much negative self-talk in our everyday life. We can find peace and healing in the labyrinth, learn to recognize the loving voice, and take it into our everyday life outside the labyrinth. Gratitude is essential in the journey away from depression and toward peace of mind. Often we spend so much time focused on what we want and don't have that we forget what we do have and how truly blessed we are. When I was having trouble getting out of bed in the morning, I modified a morning prayer that many religious people of the Jewish faith 
say every day upon waking. What I did was start each morning by thanking God for all my blessings, many of which I had been taking for granted. I can walk, I can talk, I can see, I can hear, I have a roof over my head and food on the table and on, so on, all of the things that we just don't even notice and yet our gifts are true blessings. Then at night, I would do a gratitude journal. Before I went to sleep, I would write down five things that I was grateful for that day. This resulted in my paying attention during the day to what I was experiencing so that I would have five things to write down at night. I began to see how many things I had to be grateful for and began to focus on those instead of all the things that were upsetting to me and that I was not, and that were not fulfilling. And gradually, those things disappeared as more and more positivity, joy, and happiness entered my life. Another aspect of gratitude is learning to accept a compliment. I used to confuse being humble with rejecting compliments. When someone is offering us a gift, even if the gift is words, it's polite to accept the gift graciously and say thank you. We honor the other person and ourselves. I used to think if I can do it, anyone can. This denies our uniqueness. Each of us has our own contribution, and each person's is as important as the next. Even in simple things like someone complimenting your clothing, instead of saying, oh, this old thing, or I picked it up on sale, start saying thank you. I appreciate your noticing. As you begin to say those words, you also begin to feel good about yourself and your appearance. If you don't value yourself, Others won't either. Saying the words thank you as often as you can will change the way you feel. Gratitude is the most powerful state of being. Paying attention to everything with gratitude. Do you thank the waitress for her hard work in making your meal pleasurable? Or are you too busy talking to your friend? Or do you think I'm leaving a tip? I don't need to say thank you. A few years ago, random acts of kindness was very popular. We should be practicing kindness randomly and consistently always, not as a fad, but as a way of being. And we should start by being kind to ourselves. If the well is dry, we have nothing to give to others. We must fill ourselves, not as a selfish act, but as an essential way of being. Treat yourself the way you want others to treat you. In our show with Amara on sound healing, we talked about how the vibration of water, the crystals, and the crystals in our cells, since we are 70 to 80% water, actually change by the words that we say, the thoughts that we think, the sounds that we make. 
Depression is a low-level vibration, and it hurts our cells. You, thank you, and good thoughts and positive words raise your vibration, diminish depression, and can eventually eliminate it as more and more you raise your vibration and attract positive things and change your cells. These ideas on healing depression are really only the beginning. There is much more. Drawing boundaries. What do you allow into your life? What do you allow people to say to you? Do you stand up for yourself? Or do you let people be disrespectful? Using appropriate essential oils. Thinking positively. Turning lemons into lemonade. If something negative happens in your life, do you use it to learn or do you use it to beat up on yourself and say, oh, I knew my life was going to be miserable and nothing ever works. I'm a failure. Nobody loves me. It's awful. Or do we say to ourselves, what just happened? How can I do this differently? And maybe you shouldn't do anything differently. Maybe you need to look at what that person is doing to you. So you begin and how you can protect yourself. And so you begin to look at every in a new way color changes our vibration just like sound does because color has vibration the color orange helps to lift depression eat it drink it wear it bring it into your energy wearing certain gemstones like rose quartz helps you to heal emotionally. Incense and black flower remedies, yoga, meditation, and cleansing your environment of toxic people, beliefs, and experiences. All of these things I'll expand upon in future shows. Be sure to keep listening so you can take advantage of this information as it's presented. Today, we'll talk with Cynthia Luce right after the break and then with Patricia Evans in the last part of the show about the experience of abuse and ways to heal. Let me introduce Cynthia first. She's a mother, inspirational speaker, and advocate for change. Her book, Invisible Girl, provides personal narratives of serious problems plaguing society today, revealing what happens when children are unseen, unheard, and invisible. Cynthia opens up in an insightful manner about children who are subjected to bullying and abuse, inadequate foster homes, and survival on the street. Although she shares painful experience that can devastate children, her message is mainly one of hope and healing. You're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, and I'm your host, Dr. Paula. Remember to call in your questions to 1-866-472-5795 or email drdrpaulajoyce at gmail.com. 
If you're enjoying our program, be sure to like us on Facebook. And for more information on my services, please visit my website, paulajoyce.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the life doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? If you're searching for the answers to these and other spiritual questions, you can look within. And you can tune into The Open Door. Our program will expand your awareness of the teachings of the Ascended Masters, offer you practical tools that promote self-mastery and personal freedom, and provide an unerring pathway for graduating from Earth Schoolroom. The Open Door, with hosts Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy, is broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to uplift your life nourishment of the spirit with dr paula joyce to reach the show today please call 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 you may also send an email to dr paula joyce at gmail.com that's dr paula joyce at gmail.com now back to uplift your life nourishment of the spirit Welcome to our guests. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, 
Dr. Paula, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Remember to call in your questions to 1-866-472-5795 or email drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. We're here with Cynthia Luce, author of Invisible Girl. Cynthia, welcome. Um, I, I would like for you to share with our listening audience what motivated you to write your book, Invisible Girl. Uh, well, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Cynthia Lucy, author of Invisible Girl. And what motivated me to start writing this book was not just some personal experiences of my own, but knowing that my stories could help other other children going through some of their rough patches in their life. And so I felt that it would be beneficial and therapeutic. So I started writing. Actually, I started writing a while ago, but I wasn't really very serious until about, I would say, about a year ago. So tell us a little bit about some of the experiences that you lived through as a child that made you want to let others know. And I know you also have a mission of improving the system and helping other people heal. And we'll be talking about that. But first, if you could share just a little bit about your own life. Well, I, as many other children, had gone through my own um, issues with abuse, child abuse and living in foster care and living on the streets. So I've had some of my own experiences, my own personal experiences to uh, reflect upon. So this is what's kind of stoked the fires for me, if I might say. And for me, this turned out to be one of the most healing and therapeutic processes that uh, helped me get through some of those bumpy bumpy roads that I went through, uh, not just as a teenager, but as a young adult. And I was kind of stubborn because I felt like I didn't need anybody's help with anything. And I re- there came a point in my life where I realized that even though I was still actively trying to heal, that I was doing it the wrong way. And it, the other things that I was trying wasn't working out for me. So writing was the most therapeutic process that I had tried to get through my, my healing process. Um, you had shared with me when we first talked that you were uh, in the foster care system and that even though that wasn't the best of situations and actually abusive, that you felt that if you had, it was better for you than if you had stayed at home. You even indicated that you didn't think you would have been alive today if you had been left at home. Yes, this is very true. Uh, even though, for me, foster care wasn't the greatest experience, and it isn't for a lot of children, uh, for me, it was what I'd like to call like the lesser of, of, of the two. Uh, if I had stayed at home, I do believe that I probably would not be here to tell this story. But I did find a lot of hope, and I, I never let go of my faith and never let go of the fact that I felt like there was some kind of purpose for me so this is why I'm still here. And and you, I, you know, one of the things that's confusing for people who want to help is because we know the foster care system is 
um, not often the best, that of certainly there are some wonderful people out there who take children in and do a fabulous job. There are also a lot of people who misuse the opportunity, abuse the children, and or just neglect them because they only view the child as a vehicle for a paycheck. And they want that money. It's part of their income, part of what they do to pay their rent and and feed themselves. And the children um, are neglected and become irrelevant. So when we know of situations where a child is in trouble at home and is being abused, there's this conflict about what do I do? Do I report this or do I... Um, leave it alone because maybe foster care is worse than leaving them at home. It's so confusing to people who want to help. What do you recommend? How do do we deal with that? I would say that from personal experience and what I think works best for me is I would definitely contact the authorities. Leaving a child at home in an abusive situation, knowing that there's something going on, uh, it's a personal responsibility for us to contact the authorities. We can't really say whether or not a foster home is going to be bad. There are foster homes that are good foster homes. And though we do have a lot of the uh, issues with foster parents not doing their job, the likelihood of you saving them from whatever is going on at home is greater. It's kind of a gamble, and I understand that it might be confusing, but if you don't say anything, then that could be a lot more dangerous than than sitting and then actually saying something. So the, the suggestion and the way to go is to trust the system and hope that in most instances that the child will be given a fair shake and will wind up in a positive situation or at least a better situation. You have to put your faith somewhere. You have to try because sometimes leaving that child at home could could mean a matter of life or death. So it's it's very hard. It's very hard to see that because a lot of people don't have faith in the system, and that's understandable. I've seen a lot of uh, things on the news, and I've read a lot of articles. However, that doesn't count for the majority, and they're better off being safe than being left in a a situation that could really harm them. I, I appreciate your perspective on that, and and you when again when we spoke before the show, you mentioned to me that you have some ways that in addition to writing the book that have helped you heal and that one of them was a mentor, someone who believed in you and helped you believe in yourself. Yes. I had somebody that helped me pass my pain that understood that what was on the surface, which was the pain, the anger and the resentment underneath was someone who was trying to shine through, who was trying to kind of poke through the clouds and and say, hey, I'm here and that I'm an amazing person. And somebody believed in me with all of their heart and knew that I just needed a little bit of help and encouragement and pushed me that extra mile. And 
And how did that affect you in the long term? When did this person come into your life and how did they, um, you know, how were they able to stay in your life through the various situations that you've had to deal with, the bullying, foster care, living on the streets, the, the painful, um, difficult times? The desire for me to want more for my life was what kind of stuck was what kind of stuck with me. And this person had been around for a little bit and just was very intuitive to the person that I was and very in tune with me and was kind of saying, Hey, I know there's something else there and I really want to help you and I think you're an amazing person. Let let me help you out and let me let me tell you what you could do for yourself. This might be of use to you and this worked for me. So when this person reached out to me, it did wonders. I had never I never I'd never had anybody have that kind of faith in me and that kind of love for me. And so that made me want and, and motivated me and it made me see that I was worth more than what I had placed value on myself. And so when I saw that, eventually I, I picked it up and said, you know what, you're right. I am worthy of more. I do deserve, I deserve better. And this is, I deserve to have a happy life after everything that I had been through, that I deserved to, to heal and to fulfill my life's destiny. And, and that's such a powerful word, knowing that you deserve because what happens with abuse is that people begin to feel that they deserve the abuse. Otherwise, why would it keep happening to them? And, of course, the abuser keeps telling you that you did something to cause the abuse and you're just getting what you should and it's not their fault fault it's your fault so when you hear all of these negative messages it um it's what you begin to believe and decide that you really don't deserve anything better so to make that shift is profound and it can be difficult for some and sometimes at first it's having that trust and that faith in the person that is there to help you out and i'll tell you she she gave me some she gave me the greatest gift which was unconditional love. Unconditional love is what moved me. It moved me from a dark place that I was fighting to pull myself out of and and I knew that I didn't want to be there. And she that that alone was the motivation that that kind of started the the whole process where I it went from just an idea to actually being a reality and and she worked with me and and it was it was hard at first, and I was not necessarily resistant, but uh, just a little fearful. And I was always worried that I was doing stuff the wrong way. But she loved me, and she loved me no matter what, very much like a mother figure. And, and, and showed me that I was worth more, and that I could take my, my story, my stories, and turn them into something that were amazing and healing to others. How beautiful. And that was in in the earlier part of the show today. I was talking about the power of love and how important it is. And here you are talking about it. And another um, thing that that I want to bring up was that there was a study done in the 60s about children who were able to 
make it out of really horrific situations where most of the children who experienced the same thing were not able to. And it was because there was one person who believed in them. And I think that what you're describing is living proof of what that research showed, that a teacher... A, um, a, a religious leader, a, uh, a relative, a friend, a neighbor, somebody in our life can make the difference between surviving and thriving and literally between life and death. And unconditional love is such an incredible gift that you received. And and making lemonade, um, and making and and making lemonade out of lemons is another point. Uh, is another point that we were talking about that. What you're doing is taking a negative situation, something that may have sunk other people, and totally turning it around into a positive by helping other people. I think that's truly beautiful. Thank you. And in writing Invisible Girl, also not only was it therapeutic, but allowed me to kind of reflect back on certain things. And I wrote down every detail, even if I thought that it was insignificant, because it turns out sometimes those things that we think are, insi- are insignificant. Um, I think we just... Hello? Yeah, um, you're cutting in and out. Okay, go ahead. A lot of those times we think things that are insignificant turn out to be very significant. And so I was very thorough in, in writing Invisible Girl and putting every detail down, everything that, that, that I felt was, you know, big, turned out to be extremely big. And, and, and the reflection process for me was looking back and going, you know, I can't believe that, you know, this happened, or I can't believe I'd seen this, and I'd, I'd never paid attention to certain things, and it really opened even my own eyes. Beautiful. And to see, you know, all of this, these, these things on paper, and to realize that there are so many things that are detrimental, but they've also found the beauty in certain things that were negative, and, and I've learned so many lessons, and I've taken those lessons and carried them uh, with me, and I've also put them onto into Invisible Girl for other people to understand where they might be having, you know, certain issues and where something might be wrong, where they couldn't quite put their finger on it, and, and it's right there almost as plain as day underneath your nose sometimes, and I had the amazing process of consulting with Marilla Scott, Oprah's ambassador of hope, who has been absolutely amazing and selfless in, in giving time and advice and, and, and showing me uh, many things about myself that I had never known before and that I hadn't quite paid attention to. So this whole writing process has been just monumental to the healing process of myself. Thank you. Thank you, Cynthia, for sharing your personal experience, your journey, and your healing process. It's inspirational for all of us. And I recommend highly that you go to Cynthia 
Luce.com to learn more about Cynthia and her book, The Invisible Girl. Thank you, Cynthia, for being with us, and I wish you the very best. Um, it's been a pleasure and an honor for me. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Explore subconscious programs, belief systems, and past life memories that may be sabotaging your life. Join host Dorian Light on her show, All About You, as she helps you to shift change and heal your life. Each week, Dorian does a light session using psychic energetics and the language of light to energetically shift and clear negative patterns you have stored regarding that week's topics. Step into the realm of infinite possibilities for your life. All About You airs live Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to uplift your life nourishment of the spirit with dr paula joyce to reach the show today please call 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 you may also send an email to dr paula joyce at gmail.com that's dr paula joyce at gmail.com now back to uplift your life nourishment of the spirit Welcome back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, and I'm your host, Dr. Paula, and I'm here with a very special guest who I want to introduce you to, Patricia Evans, author of The Verbally Abusive Relationship. Patricia brought 
the subject of verbal abuse to the forefront of American consciousness by naming and defining verbally abusive relationships when they were still a mystery to people. She's an interpersonal communication specialist and the author of six books on the topic of verbal abuse, control, and healing. Evans is also a consultant, speaker, and trainer offering workshops and information on the topic. She's spoken on the devastating effects of the secret form of control on more than 200 radio shows and 20 national television programs. Are you ready for this? Including the Oprah Winfrey Show, CNN, and News Talk. Patricia, it's really an honor to have you on the show. And I know... (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, Paula, thank you. (laughs) Well, and and I I do want to say before we start, and then I want to get right into the topic, is that I always recommend your book to my clients, The Verbally Abusive Relationship because it defines so well what is happening to people when they're totally confused. So please talk to us about what what is verbal abuse. Well, verbal abuse, very simply said, is a negative statement or definition or defining of another human being. So it might it might be a name calling, but very often it's telling somebody what they're thinking and feeling and what they're doing and want, what they know, what they don't know. And you know something very interesting? It doesn't happen in every relationship. There's relationships that just are healthy, and neither person would say these things because they'd feel kind of crazy telling somebody what they want or what they are. But right in front of the whole public in just the last week, there was... Um, an audio that was being played all over the networks, and it was about the words that uh, Donald Sterling had spoken to uh, his partner about not bringing blacks to games and not going to games. And you know what happened in that, in that little tape? Very quickly, I jotted down a few things I heard. He told her what she was. You're a fighter. You're a born fighter. You're a mental case. He told her what she wanted. You want to fight. Most of the time, people will say you want to argue, but he says you want to fight. All you ever want to do is fight. He told her what she has, the worst mouth. He told her how she feels. You love to fight. Now, all this time, she's saying, well, why, um, gee, I'm I'm a mixed race, um, so why is it that you don't wants us to come, and she keeps saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All typical of the partner of a verbal abuser. So he's verbally abusing her, and he he tells her, that's all you do is fight, and then he tells her what she thinks. I, she, she says, you think I'm a racist. And then, on top of it all, very strangely, um, he gives her orders like she was... Uh, a person to give orders to, uh, don't come to my games, don't bring black people, which shocked the world and changed the whole, you know, situation incredibly. And very strangely, he clearly states in this very short, all in this very short time, I don't want to change. <laughs> As if somebody was standing there asking him to change. But it's just bizarre because 
this is going on, and the impact of what he was saying was so horrific, nobody really even thought about what he was actually doing also was verbally abusing his partner, the woman of his interest at the time, uh, telling her what she was and thought and should do or, yeah, could do and may not do and, and the whole thing. And that's what verbal abuse is. It's telling you what you are. It's telling you what you want. It's telling you all these, how you feel. Unbelievably, people do this, and he did it right in front of the, you know, right into that, that, that audio went viral. Everybody in the world was listening to it. But what they were listening to usually was what he was, the impact of what he was saying, and not so much, wow, he's really verbally abusive. So people don't always see it right before their eyes, and they don't often say anything, and therefore the person who experiences it becomes more and more confused and keeps saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, or tries to explain, as she did. Like, well, I'm mixed race. She's trying to figure out what's the problem here. I mean, you know, you're with me. I'm mixed race. And so we we find that women uh, will very often think the other person is rational, and so they will try to explain, and some men. But vast, vast numbers of women contact me about the problem and what to do about it. So are we up to date on that now, (laughs) what it is? Yes, and I think your point of the abuser always blaming oh. the the person they're abusing and, and the person being abused accepts that blame, tries to defend themselves. Yes, and they, can't, they, they don't exactly accept it, but eventually they get brainwashed with it. But at first they say, no, no, look, I'm mixed race, or I don't know why you're asking it. And she said why like 15 times or five or ten times in that that whole audio. Why, why, why? They're trying to make sense of something, and what they, what they don't know is that the person they're with, periodically and quite often, is irrational. And you can't explain, and you can't stop, you know, this. All you can do, in some cases, is bring some enough awareness where... The person who indulges in abuse gets intensive therapy, intensive help to become a whole person rather than having themselves be so split that part of them is over there in their partner telling her how she's feeling, telling her what she wants and so forth, you know, what she should do, what she can and can't do. Um, It's, you know, it's really, it's it's sort of like a, a strange mystery that goes on. And you, you described in your book, just picking up on this point, something that helped me understand the why of it. You talked about that how the abuser wants a win-lose situation, that their worldview is you lose so I can win. And the person who's being abused keeps wanting a win-win situation and so they're kind of crossing because the person being abused is assuming that the abuser also is looking for win-win and he or she keeps trying to get there whereas the abuser is very happy with win-lose 
Yeah, he's more like uh, staying control. Yeah, yeah, like uh, to to be the uh, to be able to stay in control and make the world and shape the partner according to the way he's projected into her, what she should be in his unconscious. And it's a little complex, but there's a whole book that explains what's wrong with these people that psychologists and psychiatrists and, you know, readers and so forth have absolutely loved, and it's called Controlling People. And it's really designed to break the spell on this whole problem to show how it could be that there could be a person feeling rational and not insane, telling another human being what they're thinking and feeling. I mean, that's the real, real question. How can somebody tell someone what they're thinking and how they feel and what they are and what they want without asking them what do you want or how do you feel? You know, actually tell them. Um, that's the, the great mystery, and that's why... That's one of my favorite of the books that are out right now, uh, Controlling People. But it does explain that. So when we see this, we say, well, my gosh, this is, you know, just terrible. What, what can people do? Because there are so many people who act incredibly irrational. And then there are also people in the world uh, where, um, you know, gosh, there's just so many horrors going on in the world where women are just destroyed or kidnapped or sold or, or you know, just things happening all over, uh, and- forbidden to, to go outside. And, you know, it's, um, it's where this imbalance, I believe, this imbalance in uh, being able to be kind and receptive and strong at the same time, not being able to do that has thrown our world out of whack. People will think the only way they can survive is to kill other people or steal them or whatever they do. You know, it's just crazy. Uh, yes, and, and I, I agree with you. And, and we've only got a couple minutes left. So I'm kind of wondering, one thing that people may be asking themselves is why would anybody stick around and and suffer in an in an abuse of well, controlling relationship. The reason is they many many thousands and thousands of women in the U.S. have been told if you leave your dad, if you leave, I will ruin your life. If you leave, you will not see your children again. And many have been able to manage some of this, you know. Uh, so it's very very scary. The 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 other main reason is that. Um, They had no name for what they were experiencing until 1992 when the first book came out in the first edition. It was nowhere in the universe. It had never been from Sanskrit till 1992 in any language anywhere that there is such a thing as a verbally abusive relationship. So until that date, women were told, well, look, you know, you made your your boyfriend mad. You know, no wonder he says you want to fight. You were saying why to him. You know, they were just constantly made responsible for what was happening. And so, or they were just told, oh, well, you know, you're you're pushing this person's button. In fact, yesterday, um, a man told his wife he went to his first... uh, trauma therapy program thing to try to get integrated and not be projected into his partner. And so this, uh, this 
therapist that he went to who practices EMDR therapy and, you know, is highly recommended, um, said to him, so your wife pushes your buttons. So when he came back, he told his wife, the therapist said that you push my buttons and that's why I do this. But how could, if we look at the case of just this audio that went viral, we can't say she pushes his buttons. She said, why? I'm trying to understand, she said, you know, and so on. So it's not that the person is doing anything to make it happen. It happens to anybody who is with a person who has this problem of not being able to stand on his own two feet to, in a cowardly way, be over there living in his partner, telling her what she is and thinks and feels. And so it's very uh, difficult to get away and to split up a whole family, also because very few people, if anyone outside the family, sees it. In fact, usually only it happens behind closed doors, um, and nobody sees it, and everyone thinks that... Um, there is something wrong with a person who's breaking up this marriage and so on and dividing up the children and all that. And it's because the abuser very often has a perfected persona. Thank you so much to my guests and thank you so much to my listeners. Um, The joys of technology. I thank you for hanging in there with us and I look forward to being with you next week. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful week to all of you. And remember, this is Dr. Polly, your CM, saying, remember, you are loved. Have a blessed week. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have a positive week.